This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today. A lot of show today. A lot to get to today. Um, Tim Connolly, Timberwolves President of Basketball Operations, will join me here in just a little while to talk about the upcoming season, to talk about the Rudy Gobert trade, to talk about great expectations, to talk about how he is settling into the Twin Cities Caught up with him out at the fair late last week. I believe that was Friday. And a great conversation with him. I appreciated his time. Wanted to share that with you on the show today. Um, State Fair programming note, by the way, if you're getting this um, early enough on your Tuesday, I'll be talking to Timberwolves' uh, new play-by-play voice, Michael Grady, out at the fair at 10 a.m., Today, also uh, chatting with Chip Scoggins and Patrick Royce from the Star Tribune, new Patrick Royce book with Chip, um, just dropped um, a week or two ago. We'll be talking at 11 a.m. today, and then Wednesday I'll be out there talking to Lindsay Whalen on the Star Tribune stage. That will be right around 3 p.m. on Wednesday. So those are the uh, the rest of the scheduled appearances that I know about. So if you are out wandering around about the fair, or if you just want to build a schedule around Star Tribune State Fair appearances, which I totally understand. Um, I hope to see you out there for those as well. Um, But like I said, plenty of other stuff to get to today. Got some uh, Minnesota United news that is not the greatest on the injury front, but that team keeps ascending in other ways. Some NFL cutdown news and some other, you know, bigger picture stuff from the Vikings and beyond the league. But first, what did I miss? Starting with the Twins today, um, really interesting game on Monday. I watched a, a decent part of the middle innings of that game. Didn't watch it to the finish, but the bullpen sure seemed like it locked things down. Dylan Bundy was good enough pitching in and out of trouble. Four and two-thirds innings, nine hits, but just two runs. Uh, but then we get the parade of relief pitchers. You know, Caleb Thielbar does a great job. Joan Duran throws a 100 uh, 100.8 mile per hour off speed pitch, the uh, the splinker they call it, 100 miles an hour for something that's not supposed to be his fastball. That is just ridiculous. Shows the arm talent that he has. He mowed down uh, the Red Sox pretty easily, and then uh, Jorge Lopez does his job in the ninth inning as well. Griffin Jacks, that just all sorts of good things from the Twins in that game on the pitching side, the hitting side. It was a little slow to get things going, but the, at the at-bat by uh, Gio Urshela in the uh, in the middle innings where they got the where they got the big inning that broke the game open. They got their three runs in that inning. Were able to string together some some good at-bats, take some walks, be patient. I believe that was the bottom of the fifth where they finally got things going in that game. Um, just the the way that he was able to come through in that situation. Um, you know, a tough, tough three-two pitch, just right. You know, off the plate, probably off the plate on the you know outside. Um, but he he must have had some sort of intuition that the that the, the off-speed pitch was coming because he just reached out and poked it down the right field line for a three-run double, and that ended up being the end of the scoring. But four-two is all they needed. Twins now four wins in a row, sixty-six and sixty-one overall. A game and a half behind Cleveland, which was idle on uh, on Monday, and you know I play a lot of Rocco Baldelli 
post-game quotes. They tend to be a little bit spicier after losses. But uh, in fairness, let's play this one where he's talking about Gio Urshela and just what he's been able to do this season and his approach at the plate. He kind of slows everything down the way that we discuss and we say, you know, this is what you kind of look for in a baseball player and, you know, the, the low pulse type of low anxiety can play the game no matter what is going on around him. Um, he almost settles in even better when there's, uh, you know, fans around their feet, big moment, there's people on base. Um, he knows what he's trying to do. I think he really does simplify things real easily. Uh, that's, a, that's really a challenging thing to do. Most players, no matter how good they are, I mean, it's still not an easy task. Um, but Gio, I think it comes naturally to him. I think that's just uh, internally kind of who he is. That's kind of what his body and mind function like. And in those spots, he, he's come through countless times already this year, and that's just another one to add to the list. So like I said, a good win for the Twins in that game. Kind of, you know, every time we try to say uh, this could be the beginning of the end, they were 62-61 and 61 just a few days ago. They win four in a row, and now all of a sudden, here we go again, looking like September, like we've thought all along. We get a little distracted with the ups and downs of the season, but like we thought all along, it's probably going to come down to these final few weeks. Now, on a more ominous note, however, Sounds like Byron Buxton will not be coming with the Twins for this critical road trip after the Boston series where they go to play the White Sox and then the Yankees. Um, Quote from Derek Falvey, the Twins president of uh, baseball operations, there's still some soreness in the hip. That's going to take a little bit more time than we would have initially hoped. Um, He said it's a better location for him to work to keep rehabbing back in the Twin Cities. That's the short-term plan that can change. Um, so again, you know, still treating this like it's day to day, but that's how these things kind of become week to week. And there's just not a whole lot of season left. So if he's not coming on this road trip, that is not an encouraging sign because you can't imagine that, you know, he's going to play in the next week at least. And then you're talking about, well, he was eligible to come off the injured list Friday. If he's not doing that, just how long is this going to stretch out? And obviously they're, they're overcoming it right now. They've won four games in a row, but to get anywhere they want to go, you got to figure that they're going to need Buxton at some point here to have a hot stretch, to be on the field at the very least. So that was a, was a bit of bad news. Not surprising because that's how these injuries go, right? They, 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 they classify them as not a big deal until they become a big deal. So watch for that as things go along. A couple more injury updates, by the way. Tyler Malley sounds like he is going to pitch um, this weekend in Chicago. So that is better news. Not going to see, um, not going to see Kenta Maeda uh, the the rest of the way this year though. Sounds like he is being uh, being shut down for the rest of the year. There had been some talk that maybe he would be able to come back and pitch at the end of this season, but uh, Derek Falvey giving an update on that, saying no, we're not going to do that. Just don't feel like it's time to say go. So. Not necessarily surprising. Royce hinted at that when we talked yesterday that that had been kind of the uh, the sentiment from the team. They could get Josh Winder, Trevor Larnick, Bailey Ober back still as well. So, you know, some decent injury news. The Tyler Malley thing being the biggest on the positive side, but the Buxton stuff, 
We know how this goes, um, not just with him, but in general, these injuries that tend to linger. And when there's not that much season left, you do wonder how much he's going to be able to contribute down the stretch. And if he can't contribute down the stretch when these team, when the Twins have these big games against these division rivals, are they going to be able to overcome that down the stretch? Speaking of a mixed bag, got to get to the loons here. Um, good win for them over the weekend over Houston. You know, I've seen my friend John Martheller, who covers the team um, in a much more definitive way than I do, watches so much more than I do. You know, kind of, I think he, I was on Twitter the other day that uh, that he was talking about how this was the kind of game where they, they've they lost this game or had a poor draw in a game like this um, so many times over the years, and they were trailing Houston one nothing late in the match. Houston, you know, an inferior opponent. Loons, you know, were fourth in the in the West at that point, trying to surge, keep the surge going. And uh, but they end up winning that match two one. They get two late goals in that game to, to pull it out. Now third in the Western Conference standings, and with two games in hand over fourth place Dallas. Those teams, by the way, will meet this weekend. The Loons have another match before that, though. They play Real Salt Lake on Wednesday, so a busy week for them. And they will not have uh, one of their their key uh, central defender central defenders, Bakai Debasi, um, ruptured tendon in his leg. Uh, will miss the rest of this season and probably won't be ready for the start of next year as well. So that's a tough one for uh, for the Loons. Um, hurt that hurt that in the, uh, the the Houston game it was a ruptured right leg quadricep muscle. That just sounds. Completely painful and awful. He's been very good for them this year, and so that is something they will have to overcome as well. It's a position where they've got a little bit of depth, so might be able to withstand that, but you certainly don't want to be without your best players. And they had been relatively fit for quite a while, so this will be something that they will have to overcome as well. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. All right, everybody. How you guys doing? Michael Rand here from Star Tribune Sports. Got Tim Connolly, president of basketball operations with the Timberwolves. Let's give him a hand. Very nice, very nice. Tim, how are you doing? Enjoying the, your, this is your first state fair, right? You are not one of us. No, it's super, super cool. To be honest with you, I didn't know what to expect. And we just walked in and no offense, we just want to do everything except interviews. Sorry. I want to go see the Python. I want to go have some Pronto Pups and some cookies. And I can't believe how big it is. It's yeah. awesome. It, it is awesome. Um, speaking of big, speaking of awesome, um, you guys made a trade not that long ago for a guy we call Rudy Gobert. What? Uh, talk, talk, talk me through the process of making a deal that big, because obviously there's a lot, probably a lot of moving parts and you know a lot of considerations. How do you even begin and complete that process? Yeah, I mean we had to give up a lot, a lot of good players. Obviously, a lot of draft capital. We thought. Um, it's so rare to get a player of his caliber in his prime um, and a guy that complements an already strong core. And um, as important as all that, a guy that really wanted to be in Minnesota. You know, we've, you know, we've had, hadn't had as much success as we all like to have organizationally. So um, you know, we're trying to kind of redefine how the league views us. 
Um, I thought last year was a huge step in the right direction. Uh, we have, you know, Chris Finch is a, an elite coach, and anytime you get a guy in this prime that's under contract that can complement an already, um, you know, talented young core and who really wants to be there, you start figuring out how you can make that work. Um, you never know if it's going to work. Only time will tell. Hopefully, it's a trade that works out for both sides. Yeah. You know, when you give up what we gave up, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly, J.F. Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, hugely impactful players um, on a successful team last year. A lot of draft picks. I think Walker Kessler is going to be a heck of a player. So we knew we gave up a lot. But, again, the hardest thing to find in our league is elite talent. And an elite happy talent is even harder to find. Yeah, I bet. I mean, and you've been through plenty of these types of processes with Denver. Uh, but, you know, when a trade, not just the, re the end result, but when a trade like this is coming together, how many, like, stops and starts, how many, like, I don't know if this is going to work, and, and, you know, what is that process like along the way? Yeah, you, I mean, 99% of conversations end with nothing. You're just constantly talking, and when we made that trade, we were concurrently talking about other trades. You're n never certain how real the other side is. Um, thankfully, we were dealing with uh, a group of guys in Utah that we knew very well, and you know, really good people, really good guys. Um, but, uh, again, we have countless conversations, and the vast majority of them end up with, you know, thanks but no thanks. So it's difficult to make any trade. It's extremely difficult to make a trade for a caliber of that player. Um, so it's, um, it's fun, but it's a lot of liar's poker as well. It's a lot of trying to figure yeah. out, you know, what, what the motivation is from the opposite team. And then we were lucky enough um, that we found a willing partner. And I think, I think it's a trade that hopefully is going to work out well for both teams. Um, it's kind of along those lines, um, as you kind of think about, you know, when you got to the finish line with that trade, what, what's the feeling like when it's official, when it's final, when you can kind of say, we did this? I mean, obviously, you're, all, you're like, what did we just do? Was it good? <laughs> but also, it's like, how excited? Can you go to bed that night? What, what is it like after you make that trade? Well, you never know. Um, and you don't know what a trade, if a trade's good or bad for years. I know if... I think, an ideal, again, an ideal trade is um, the players that we sent out continue to have a huge impact on winning, which I know they will. The draft picks we sent out proved to be really good players. I mean, it's, we, we traded with a very smart organization. I'm sure they will be. And the, the metric that we're going to really focus on is, is our team better? Can we be better than we were last year? Can we, we play in more meaningful playoffs here? Can we advance? So, um, you know, it's a lot, to, a lot to ask. It won't be easy it won't be seamless i'm sure there'll be some pretty clunky moments initially but we felt like we took a, a huge step forward with the acquisition of rudy are, are draft picks value differently now or do you have a certain way you think of draft picks that's different than some of your contemporaries or counterparts because i feel like you know draft capital the, the view of draft capital maybe kind of fluctuates how do you kind of think about draft capital and has, has that changed in the NBA as time has gone on into thinking about what you are willing to give up or can give up? I, mean, I love the draft. It's probably my favorite part of the job. I'm just a, I'm a scout with a cool title. Um, <laughs> but I do think there, at times there's um, an overvaluing of draft picks. If you look at how much movement there's been in the last three, if you look at the draft from three years ago, for example, how much movement there's been, how many of those guys are on new teams how many of those guys are not in the league or, or are not on fully guaranteed contracts. I think a draft picks as good as the player you p select. If we're lucky enough to have the type of team success that we're crossing our fingers that we hope to enjoy over a sustained period with a 27-year-old cat, um, with D'Lo, with uh, Anthony Edwards, so we, you know, we're really challenging him to be an elite, elite 
two-way player, not just an offensive player. Yeah. Um, we think we're in a pretty good spot to have a nice run of, of Timberwolves basketball, and hopefully the draft picks um, you know, are not top five, top ten picks. We thought our roster was such that it would be difficult, um, in, in a good sense, for us to be back in the lottery. We don't want to be in the lottery. So, again, hopefully it works out for both ends. Um, I love the draft. I think it's the, the, the quickest way to improve your team. Um, I also know um, how hard it is to get elite players. I've been on the other end of those calls before where you get, here's five picks and whatever, <laughs> and you don't make those trades because you're not trading your best players. So, um, again, um, we, we feel fortunate. I think it's a trade that will work out well for both teams, and I, I think we have a chance to be pretty good. I'm on record saying you guys should be set up to win at least 50 games in the next four years and be contending for the top four in the West. Does that feel okay to you, or is that is that how I should feel right now? Your mouth's the God ears. Let's go. <laughs> hey, you know, we have to be our own biggest fans. I think there's a narrative about our team, uh, quite frankly, our city league-wide, that we have to dispel. I've only been here a couple months, still living in a hotel, um, but I, I've been shocked by how warm and how cool it's been. And I don't mean the temperature. I mean, like, the people and the vibe. Um, you know, it's a city that is desperate to have a high-level winning basketball team. And um, we certainly waited a long, long time. Last year was a, a, a huge year, and it put us back on the map. But, again, we don't want to be content with uh, just playing in the playoffs. You know, we don't want to be content not being a home-court playoff team. We don't want to be content not thinking internally that our challenge is to win a championship, not just advance around here or there. So if we don't believe that, no one else will. How much did that success a year ago, before you got here, influence, you know, as they're as you're deciding whether or not to take this job come from Denver, how much did kind of that trajectory and that growth factor into your decision to ultimately say, yeah, I want to I sign up for this? Oh, it was hugely impactful. And I was pretty familiar with, I almost came here in 2013 with Flip Saunders. Um, so I, I knew, the, knew it pretty well, but not as well as I seem to know it now, just walking around the city for the last two months. Okay. Um, but when you see a team that's, that's playing the right way, um, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Chris Finch before. I've known him forever. I worked with a couple other assistant coaches. Um, you know they're building something special, so it was flattering that um, an organization that's already going the right way um, called us, and uh, we were lucky enough that the opportunity presented itself, and we're excited to be part of it. Coming back to on the court a little bit, you talked about Anthony Edwards and just kind of challenging him. He's still so young, and he's got a lot of that growth potential. You know, becoming a better two-way player, obviously part of that. What, what else? Where's, the, where's that acceleration come in a young player's game? I think he's had a great uh, summer. He's been much more focused on routine. He's been much more focused on diet and, and, and all things. Anthony's an unbelievably mature kid. For He just turned 21 a couple weeks ago. So um, compare him to most 20-year-olds or 21 I know, speak for myself, I could barely brush my teeth at 20 years old. So it, we, we, we have a special, special um, human being, not just player. But young guys, I think, where they make the biggest jump oftentimes is routine is attention to detail with the routine, um, understanding how important your body is, understanding how important, um, like, listen, these really smart coaches um, is. So in that regard, I, I can't be more proud of Anthony, and I think you'll see um, a, a better, improved version of what already is a really, really special player. One of the interesting aspects of the Rudy Gobert trade is that you have Carl Anthony Towns already, who's been traditionally been a center in this league, and now those two kind of share the the big man spot and how that works I'm, I'm kind of wondering how far where are we in the process even at this point or what you know as we try to as you try to figure out is Chris Finch 
tries to figure out how to use these guys to the best of their abilities. You know, what what have you thought of already, and, and where can that partnership go? You know, it's, we talked about it extensively. Wouldn't make a trade of this magnitude without talking to Finchie, obviously getting the opinions of Cat. Um, I think both guys have had a lot of success playing next to other bigs. Um, you know, Cat, both collegially and with uh, Gorgie Jang and Taj Gibson. And, uh, you know, Rudy was winning near 60 games with Derek Favors. So both guys, I don't think they're unaccustomed to playing next to a, a big. I think, I, I think we have very little concerns about their fit. Um, I think they'll be the first to tell you what they do well is oftentimes what the other guy doesn't do quite as well. Yeah. Uh, we're a team that had to get better defensively. We're a team that didn't rebound the ball at all last year. And we got, we think, the best defender in the world and certainly one of the best rebounders in the world. Um, and you won't find a more talented offensive player than, than Carl. Carl also is an extremely competitive defensive player. He likes the best matchups, so he's pretty fired up to guard guys um, that he hasn't guarded a ton in the last couple of years. So I think the, the, where the um, cynicism emanates probably is we're kind of zigging where the left of the league is zagging. Um, but we feel like um, our best chance to be the best version of ourselves is, is making this move, and we're pretty excited to see if, if our theory proves prescient and correct. Um, I know we have the, an unbelievably creative mind in, in Chris Finch, and um, we're in great hands. I'm super lucky to have a guy like that leading the charge, and I think our guys feel like we have a chance to do something pretty special this year. I think I saw a stat on Rudy Gobert that he was one of the best in the league last year at you know opposing shooting percentage at the rim, something like that. And not surprising, he's you know he's got he's tall, he's a great defender, giant <laughs> arms. But uh, Jaden McDaniels was also very high on that list that I saw, and he's you know someone that's obviously got a lot of, lot of upside. Maybe gets you know Wolves the Wolves fans know all about Jaden McDaniels, and the league is starting to know about him. But maybe gets a little bit overshadowed because Anthony Edwards came in at the same time and was you know this you know number one overall pick uh as you think about Jaden and you know obviously teams are probably looking at him as someone they wanted to try to include in any uh trade packages this offseason why did you why were you so steadfast in saying no this is a guy that we need to build around and keep yeah, I mean he's a, a very coveted guy for good reason uh one of the first conversations I had with Rudy after the trade was about Jaden he thinks Jaden can be an all-league defender we certainly share share the same opinion um when you you know he's really really competitive I th- we think he can guard four, maybe five positions. He's a unique offensive player with his ability to handle at 6'10". He keeps, seems like he gets taller every month. Um, so we thought if you have a core of those guys, and it's kind of neat. We think with the, there's a slight age gap between all of them, so we're going to see different versions of this team as, as we progress chronologically. Um, you know, we, we don't want to be a good defensive. We want to be a great defensive team. And when you start Rudy Gobert and you have a guy like Jay McDaniels who's, again, has every – tool in, in the in the world to be an elite defensive player we think that's a realistic expectation and uh, again our, our guys are really competitive and, and they can't wait to kind of hopefully show all these things we think are inherent with our roster uh, I hate to ask you about this but we heard obviously uh, Thursday night Torian Prince um, an unfortunate situation in Miami arrested there I'm sure you can't talk much about that right now do you have any overarching philosophy though on how you handle off-court stuff or how you kind of proceed with it with something like that yeah well we you know we want to be a proud representative of the state um i know it sounds cliche and corny but we do we want, we want to be you know we challenge you guys to be good teammates we want to be societally we want to be good teammates so we're aware of the situation we're you know monitoring it we're in contact with the people that are going to give us a lot more information you know can't really talk about it we don't know too much at the time but 
we're going to hold our guys to an unbelievably high standard. And, um, you know, we want, we want our players, our staff to be community members. They want them just to play ball, go home, and, and not be part of, of this community. As, it's a, as this fair can attest, it's a pretty cool spot to be. And people probably think all you do is draft and make trades, but there's a lot more to your job, isn't there? Yeah, the, the job's never uh, boring. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, it comes with the territory. Again, um, we have a great group of guys. We're going to continue to try to identify great people to come into our building. We're going to continue to try to proudly represent this city and um, hopefully on the way win a ton of games and progress to places that we haven't been in a long, long time. Carl Anthony Towns said something to that effect when he signed his extension. It was maybe a few weeks, a month ago. I'm not sure. I can't remember what the exact timeline was, but he, he had his news conference about that. And, you know, he was, ta he was talking about the kind of the expectations now, and he was a you know, championship or bust, I think, were his exact words, which was, you know, no fun. No pressure at all. Great, Cat. Thank you, Cat. Right? But, uh, That's you know. What you say after you sign that contract. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. He's, he's like, I, I can say what I want to say now. But he, um, you know, along those lines, it does feel like, when you you know you make the playoffs, you make a trade like this, you sign Towns to this extension. We know about Anthony Edwards. You retained D'Angelo Russell. Like there will be some expectations this year, and how I'm interested to see how this team handles the expectations because they haven't had expectations for a while. I think it's fantastic. I think you know if you're a competitor, you run towards expectations. Um, if you're a competitor, you got to be your own biggest fan. If we don't believe we can be a championship level team, then we're in the wrong industry. Um, I don't, I don't believe in zero sum of sports. I don't think if you don't win it all, you're a loser. Um, and there's countless examples. Some of the best players in the NBA have never won a championship. Sure. I think it diminishes their, their uh, legacy by any stretch. But I'd be disappointed if our, if our room and our locker room didn't think they could be a championship-level team. I'd be disappointed if anyone on our team didn't go in the season and think we're better than anybody else in the Western Conference. Um, so I, you won't hear me say championship or bust, but certainly internally we're trying to win a championship at some point, we're not here to, you know, just make the playoffs or advance one round. Um, we're, we're here and we want guys that want to be here that think they can win a championship. So I applaud Carl's. I would probably choose a, a slightly different verbiage, but I, I, <laughs> I applaud the sentiment and the motivation. A couple more things for you. Enjoying this conversation, uh, Tim Connolly, president of basketball operations for the Timberwolves. Um, you know, last year in the playoffs, Wolves were in a very competitive series with Memphis. You, you were in Denver where, you know, they made the playoffs a bunch of times. You made it to the conference finals, if I'm not mistaken. It was cut two, three years ago. What, what's the difference? How do you, like, is there something you can quantify where you say now a team is ready to go X far or when you're, you know, in a series, you can see this team is ready to win this series? Because, I mean, they were right there. That series was there against Memphis, and it just felt like maybe, I don't know if it's experience, what it is, but what, you know, in your mind, how, did, how do you kind of separate yourself at that moment? I thought it was fascinating because there's two teams that clearly are super talented and well-coached and well-run, but neither really um, had learned to win yet. And I thought throughout that playoff series, you saw both teams um, had moments where there was, they were clearly uncertain of how to progress in meaningful games. Uh, the, the hardest thing in the NBA to do I th for young teams to learn to win. All these teams are talented. Um, the teams that finish the NBA's made to be – to disperse the talent. You have an awful year, you can usually get the best player at the top of the draft. Right. So talent doesn't really separate you, but your willingness and ability to adapt to bigger moments, I think that's where the separation is. Uh, when I was in Denver, I was unbelievably fortunate. Uh, Michael Malone's an elite coach, and to watch specifically Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic 
learn to win. Um, we played Minnesota, I think, five years ago, lost game 82. Yeah. Um, but you saw, even in that game, you saw two young guys are starting to figure out the angles and how, how to play when it really mattered. Uh, possession is possession basketball is what the, what the uh, playoffs are all about, right? For 47 minutes, it's a different game, and then it's a chess match. So I think Minnesota, uh, T-Wolves took a huge step in, in, in that direction last year, and again, they're led by the right guy and the right staff. Chris Finch is a brilliant coach. And that experience last year will only make us better. It makes us hungrier. But, um, you know, they started to learn to win last year. They started to close, close games. How do you win when you don't want to play? You know, it's, it could be a long, long season. If it's a Tuesday in February and it's five degrees out and you're not playing one of these glamour teams, how do you ensure the motivation? It's not, not, not the same as going to be if you're playing Gold State on Friday night, but you got to be close enough to, to stock those wins. There's, you know, there's no BCS in the NBA. <laughs> no, a win's not. a win's a win. Yeah. So I, I think the team is um, taking a huge step in that right direction. Now we got to learn how to win in the playoffs and how we can progress. Final thing for you, Tim, um, aside from the State Fair, what are you and your family enjoying or looking forward to enjoying as you kind of get to know this city and this state? You know, we've uh, the hotel life has been brutal, but the one upside has been no cooking. So we've really enjoyed the food scene. Um, we've been to some great restaurants. Uh, f- fairly high end, not high end because we've got young kids, to hole in the walls, um, unbelievable ethnic food. I, la- I love how diverse uh, the Twin Cities uh, is. And um, we've, I mean, for only being here for, um, I don't know, a couple of months, I-, I put our restaurant list against a, a lot of locals. So I, I think we've um, really, really, I've-, I've at least gained 10, 15 pounds. No workout, you eat and then just fall asleep in the hotel room. So um, I think thus far that's with. That's been the most impactful part of our experience with the Twin Cities. Got to get you back on a training program. Oh, you know what? I, I don't think today's the day for it. No, I don't think so either. But I think uh, whenever, is it Labor Day or Memorial Day? What's coming up? Uh, Labor Day. I was confused. So I'll start after that. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Well, Tim Connolly, appreciate your time so much. Let's give him one more round of applause. Tim Connolly, Thanks. president of basketball operations for the Timberwolves. I appreciated that conversation with Tim Connolly. Hope you guys did as well. Some big expectations for the Wolves this season. I, I, I dare say expectations have haven't been this high in a very long time probably even higher than when they had Jimmy Butler I, I dare say just just the way this roster is constructed the you know the big offseason trade for Rudy Gobert they're probably at a place right now in franchise history that they haven't been in you know at least you know 17 18 years since the uh, the height of the KG era so that will be something I want, like I said to Tim Connolly, I want to see how they are able to manage expectations, how they deal with not just being a nice little story, not just making the postseason and getting in through the playoff, but the play-in game and getting to that competitive series with Memphis, but having real expectations, having to perform when people are expecting you to perform. And that will be the next step for them to take this year. Let's finish with the cooler. Uh, some interesting NFL news today is cut down day. Vikings have to get their roster down to 53. I expressed some pessimism on the Randball blog yesterday and with Royce talking about how if this team has any sort of injuries this season, I am not optimistic just based on their depth. Looking at the projected 53-man roster that Andrew Kramer did yesterday, just don't like the way this all sets up. But if they have good health, if they have reasonably good health this year, this team can be competitive because, like I've said for the past few years, their top 10 or 15 players are as good as the top 10 or 15 players on any roster. It's just a matter of how many of those guys will be available for the duration of the season and how do those complementary players come along and fill those other roles. But bigger news 
Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the 49ers. They restructure his contract. They've been trying basically for months to trade him. Was a little bit difficult because of some shoulder problems that he had. Wasn't able to throw. But interesting that he is staying with the team now. And I saw a stat on ESPN.com that was just unbelievable in terms of you know, where where they've been as a franchise with him and where they've been as a franchise without him. Now, obviously, Trey Lance taking over as the starter this year. Garoppolo will be the most expensive backup in the NFL uh, with a cap hit, probably somewhere in the 8 to $9 million range. Um, in games started by quarterbacks other than Garoppolo since Kyle Shanahan arrived in 2017, the 49ers are 8-28. and 28. They are 35-16 and 16 with Garoppolo as the starter. That is a huge number. And uh, by the way, some of that 8-28 and 28 was new Vikings backup quarterback Nick Mullins starting some of those games for the 49ers. So take that for what it's worth. Interesting. You never say never in this league. If Even if you think someone is a cinch to be traded, sometimes something happens and you are forced to go back to your plan B, your plan C, or even your plan D. And maybe the quarterback market just wasn't what they hoped it would be, and maybe that explains a little bit of why Kirk Cousins is still on the roster for the Vikings as well. That'll do it for today. Like I said, I'll be out at the fair today and tomorrow. Come see me if you are there. If not, just keep listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday. (laughs) 